It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, April 4th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that cannot believe the Flyers have actually won a game in a shootout. It's a freaking miracle. Yeah, yeah. Just craziness all around. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello out there. I am your host, Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with my co-host, Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We are going to talk about that shootout yesterday against the New York Rangers. We're going to talk about the Leafs game from Saturday, and it's Monday, so we're going to have our nemesis of the week. And I'm sure we will have some good ones <laughs> this time Oh, yeah. Around. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So it feels like ages ago at this point, but it was only a couple days ago where they made the decision to healthy scratch Keith Yandel for the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. His Ironman streak ends at 989 games. And, you know, it caused some controversy around the NHL, I would say. And, you know, I think the reaction amongst Flyers fans was very honestly nuanced and measured while the reaction everywhere else just seemed to be outraged. But what was your take on the reaction and the move itself? Well, I mean, there were some uh, Flyers fans that reached out to me that thought it was the wrong decision because they're season ticket holders and they just wanted to see something. I get that. Like that really was the reason I I understand that, you know, Um, but some of this outrage is just ridiculous. It's like, No hockey team owes a guy anything. And it's up to the hockey team and the coach and the staff to decide, hey, if a guy's good enough to play, he should play. You know, Doug Jarvis got sent down to the AHL that that when he was done with his streak. That's how done he was. And, you know, Keith Yandel's pretty close to that. So how many weeks and months are the Flyers supposed to carry him? And, and basically say, yeah, it's okay, Keith, go out there. You're two steps behind everybody, but you're so great off the ice and we like you. And God forbid, we're the ones that, that break your streak. Like nobody's can do that. It's like, where, where's this unwritten rule in hockey? Like this is all of a sudden a bad thing to do. And, and the flyers owe him that, you know, Keith Yandel signed a no move. He, if he didn't sign a no move, the Flyers may have been able to trade him to like Arizona and maybe he could have kept the streak going and still play there because you, you could play in Arizona and nobody knows it. That's fine. But the Flyers can't do that. They are trying to develop. And we talked about it. I brought it up on this show that you can't put Keith Yandel with Ronnie Adderd and give no. Ronnie Adderd a fair chance 
at having NHL time and learn something from it. And I think the Flyers came to that same conclusion. And I can't rip them for that. And I think anybody else from the outside that's ripping the Flyers for that, a lot of people are Flyers haters for sure, but also they're just thinking, well, it's just terrible that a streak ended and they shouldn't do it. But they don't really look at the other part of it, the development part. It's easy to say, hey, the Flyers stink. So, like, what's the difference? No game means anything anyhow. But, like, again, me being, you know, a prospect guy and a player development guy, there is a lot of meaning in uh, things that are going on in these games. It just may not be apparent to everybody. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. I think, you know, from a PR perspective, sure, it was a nightmare, but the Flyers know that going into a decision like this. And apparently it was important enough for those factors that you mentioned in terms of developing the young defensemen, because we saw that partnering Keith Yandel with Cam York was not good for Cam York. No. Lo, and, lo and behold, now while it may be a little too soon for him to be getting first pairing minutes, not only is Cam York playing well, but Ivan Provorov is playing better with Cam York. So you see how mm -hmm. those pairings are meaningful. And to do that to Ronnie Adderd would have been just so detrimental to his development. And so, you know, I'm with you there. And I'm also with you on the what do we actually owe Keith Yandel. They gave him the no move clause, like you said. They let him get the record, even though he should have been sat 20 games earlier. Oh, yeah. At, at least. And so what else is there that they owe Keith Yandel? In my opinion, it's nothing. And you, and you make that hard decision. I'm not saying it's not a hard decision. I'm saying it's the right decision. And so. Kevin Hayes was wrong, too. I sat in that press conference, and Kevin Hayes, knowing that he's such a good friend of Keith Yandel, knowing that he's biased, still sort of said, well, I know you, you're out there in the media can make me look bad and write about this tomorrow with what I'm going to say, but I'm still going to say it. And it's like, okay, Kevin. But understand, you're coming from a perspective of, hey, you're a close personal friend. You're... Yeah, I, d I did not fault Kevin Hayes for saying what he did, given no, 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 friendship. but the, I, I faulted it from the to the way he threw it on the media that way. I did fault that. I didn't fault him from the hey, he's a good guy off the ice. I know him. He's helping young players. I get that. But again, he has to understand, and I know he does. Uh, he doesn't have to like it. But he has to understand that this was coming. Oh, I think he knew. I think yeah. he knew. I think he's just was trying to be a good friend. And he also said that it was on us, meaning the yes, team, he did. Mm -hmm. about why it got to the point where they had to sit Yandel. So he took ownership of that, too, from a he player did. perspective. He so did. I have absolutely no beef with what Kevin Hayes had to say and what he says about his locker room contributions and being a role model for the younger guys. 100% true. Doesn't mean he should be in the lineup. Right. All right. Speaking of the lineup, we got two very different looks this weekend from the Flyers in terms of the lineup. And uh, it was pretty interesting to me, I got to say, because... They had had this frost tippet combo going, and I think it was like helping both of them. They played together with JVR against the Leafs, but then you know everything went in a blender uh, versus the Rangers, and I, I was just really like thrown off by that, honestly, because I think there were some, even though both games had some similarities to them in terms of them completely collapsing in the third period. 
I think that there were some good things about what the lineup looked like against the Leafs that didn't get put out there against the Rangers. I think that's fair to say, and I think that's part of the failings of Mike Yo. Uh, too much tinkering, too much changing, too much of everything. Uh, Mike Yo should look at a little bit into the future, even if he's not going to be in it, and say, I should keep that line, young line together because maybe that could be a line next year. And I get it. Listen, anybody you put with Kevin Hayes, you're going to look better. So Owen Tippett had a really good game because Kevin Hayes was doing his best to set him up and spring him. And, you know, he got him a couple um, breakaways. He didn't score on him, but he got him it. Tippett did get a goal. Like, that's great. But is Owen Tippett really going to be on Kevin Hayes' line next year? No. no. So, I mean, they should develop that other line. I'm with you. That's a long-term solution. Yeah, I, I really think that it's important to allow some of these younger guys to build chemistry together yes. because they are the future. And it's a similar decision to taking Oscar Lindblom off a line with TK and Hayes and moving him onto the fourth line against the Rangers. I just, I don't understand that. I will say this. Uh, one of the worst things Mike Yo has done all year is his, the way he's kind of treated Oscar Lindblom by moving him around. This has not helped him. I mean, he finally was getting on track and now he's sort of off track again, because like you said, he, he, he doesn't have a line. And at this point, I think he's contributed enough to this team to where he should be on a permanent line. Yeah. I 100% agree. You look at his improvement over the breadth of the season, and he absolutely deserves to be a cornerstone of what they're trying to build for the future. And having him go up and down the lineup in different roles with different people is not helpful, I think, no. toward that. But there's a lot more to say about both of these games. We've got fight to talk about <laughs> from the Leafs game. And we've got some more shootout talk for the Rangers game. We will be doing that coming up real quick. But first, we got to talk about Bilt Bar, which we have been discussing on this show for a long time now. And you know how much we love them. But Built has more than just protein bars. Have you tried their puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they are a treat. They're a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. All Built Bars, including those puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. So go to built.com, you scroll down to the macros chart, you're going to be blown away. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. If you compare that to a candy bar, you're going to get 240 calories, a ton of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And the regular bars have a lot of delicious flavors as well. They've got raspberry, cherry barcia, mint brownie. New flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Russ. So you know we were just talking about how the Flyers had leads in both of these games and kind of blew it there at the end. Now we got the win against the Rangers, but... Like, what do you think is going on here with this team that actually looked really good in both first periods this weekend? All right. So to be very truthful about that, I think the the Flyers offense was operating pretty well, but I still think the Flyers team defense is weak. And I think as the game was going on, the Rangers knew they were getting some glorious chances and they were like, you know, we're just going to have to overload our top two lines here and really just look for these great shots and try and get in front of the net. And they did a little better job of that, and that's how they were able to tie it up. And I think I think it just took a little desperation on their part, but that's really all it took from the Leafs too, right? It was the same thing, a little desperation, and then all of a sudden they, they were able to turn it on too. And I think teams can smell that against the Flyers because like when it was 3-1, if, we, if we're both, you and I are going to be very honest, we both probably looked at the TV and said, uh-oh. I know I did. <laughs> I know I, you know, especially You're as much as I... You're talking about the Rangers game? The Rangers game. Because especially yeah. as much as I watch the Rangers and know their offense is, is pretty good, um, I was thinking, all right, this game's starting to change now. Yeah, I think so too. I think the other thing that's happening right now, you know, especially with a stabilizing force like Claude Giroux not in the lineup anymore and the new kids that they're trying to integrate into this lineup there's a lot of discombobulation happening where they have some guys who can really actually skate the puck well through the zone now and you see guys like Morgan Frost are taking a step forward with elements of their game like that but they get into the offensive zone and they just don't have a system to fall back on, or at least they haven't been able to solidify that system with the new guys yet in enough of a a way to get more offensive opportunities and get more quality shots on goal. And then when they do, it's more often on a breakaway or, or a, a rush after a block shot. I mean, the Flyers blocked a metric ton of shots in that game yes. against the Rangers, um, almost to their detriment with getting hurt. But I, I think that they had a lot of opportunities going the other way after those block shots and, you know, couldn't finish on them. Going down the stretch, especially with all the changes, it's too big for Mike Yo. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's too big for him to handle. Yeah, I think so too. And I just think the motivation for him isn't there. And because I I do think that he kind of knows the clock is ticking on his time here and he has a really important job to do and no real incentive to do it well. And so I I think he's trying, you know, and I think, you know, he's trying, but, but the idea is it's just too much for him. You could see it. And I feel like with a different coach, you might be getting better results out of some of the youngsters and, maybe even better games out of the team, but I'm not sure you're going to get what you're hoping to get the end of this year with him behind the bench. 
before we get into some of the younger kids' performances, we do have to talk about that Zach McEwen-Wayne Simmons fight from Saturday, just because, A, it was the dumbest fight, it was the most obvious fight, and you knew exactly what was going to happen, and then McEwen hurt himself doing it. Right, so a couple things, and and we got to give Simmons credit for a mm-hmm. goal that he barely touched on a breakaway. <laughs> like he yeah. barely, it was his first goal I mean, in 35 games. It seemed games. obvious that it was going to happen, but I know. Um, but as far as the fight goes, yeah, for some reason the refs didn't let them fight in the first period and mm-hmm. they should have. So you knew Simmons was going to circle back to it. And I do think it McEwen in his head thinks he could beat anybody now. Cause you know, he bloodied up Delorier, and you know, he maybe won a two or three of them before that. And I think he forgets that, you know, Wayne Simmons can fight. Don't look at the body, the skinny body. This guy can throw punches. And I, I have to tell you this. Not only was McEwen outclassed, there was an uppercut that Simmons threw. If he would have connected on that, I think he would have knocked him out. But he didn't connect on that. That's how mm-hmm. bad that fight was for McEwen. Oh, what a mess there. All right. <laughs> so as far as the, the kids go, I think Ronnie Adderd played a solid couple of games. I think he made a couple really good defensive plays, getting some guys off the puck both in both games. You know, I don't think th- that he was able to showcase his shot as much as I would have liked to see. Right, that's but- true. But I think he's still learning, so I'm hoping he'll, you know, get his rhythm going and start to have more chances on that front. But I think he acquitted himself pretty well. I think he's been okay. I, I have seen some some pace issues uh, here and there. A little bit, you know, a board play where he's not quite as strong as you think he should be right now uh, compared to some NHLers, and he's lost some battles in the corners. That's something I'm sure he will get better at over the summer. But you know, for the most part, I think he has been okay. Uh, I do think there is some learning to do. And I also think that, you know, it's the, it's the pace that it's going to be hard for him to get, to, to get that under control during this season. You know what I mean? But coming into camp after a good off season, working on his skating some more, I think that will be better. So, you know, everything else you see is good when he, when he's really able to play his best is when everything is slowed down, like in the flyer zone, because then he really can show off his game but when things are moving and it's moving at a fast pace and it's kind of going frenetically up and down that's where his game is a little askew right now and that's and I expected that yeah it's going to take a little bit of time with him and it usually does with defensemen yeah so I think Noah Cates had a better game against the Leafs than he did against the Rangers but also I think just really settling in well to to the NHL game overall and Owen Tippett Again, he was pretty active in that game against the Leafs and then, of course, had several breakaways in the Rangers game that didn't go. But he got one in on a different play. So I think that'll hopefully, you know, break the ice a little bit for him and he'll continue to progress. I hope so. I mean, he is still rushing a shot a bit at times and, and, and missing a bunch, but... Look, I think there's talent there. It has to get he, – he really has to work hard this summer. But this was a good game. He, he was pretty effective, no question about it. Uh, with Cates, it's interesting. I, I thought he was okay against the Rangers because there are very few flyers right now that play well away from the puck, but he's mm-hmm. one of them. It's noticeable. That is true. He it knows is true. how to play against the wall. He knows how to get a puck out of the zone. He has been taught that in college and it's and it's carried over the thing that i don't like is what mike yo has done and and forced farabee into the center position where you can see he's not comfortable 
and and I think at times has been frustrated. And Cates is a natural center, and it's like, why don't you just put Cates at center? I don't understand it. It makes no sense. I really don't think long term Joel Farabee can be a center. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I think it's good to know what he can and can't do in the position. Sure. So I'm all for trying it out just to see what you've got there. But it should not be a regular thing, especially when you do have other guys that can play center. And, uh, you know, speaking of which, Nate Thompson checking back into the lineup for the Flyers. And he's not great. But what I will say is that the Flyers had a really strong game in the face-off circle against the Rangers. They've been atrocious since Drew left, covering yeah. around 40%. And Nate Thompson and Patrick Brown both had really good nights they in did. the face-off circle. And, you know, the Flyers were well above 50%. So that was good to see. No, that was good to see. And look, he laid a few hits, but you could, uh, you know, and he cleared a few pucks on the penalty kill. But you could see where he is just, when they his line got pinned in two or three times because he just can't get to the puck at times. If, if the Rangers were just sort of stretching it out and passing it around. And that's, you know, that's the downside of it. So again, you do kind of wonder what is the lifespan, even of this season for Nate Thompson? Cause it's like, do you want to play him the rest of the games or do you want to, you know, bring up another young player? I mean, Isaac Ratcliffe should be playing. If Nate Thompson's playing because Isaac Ratcliffe is not going to play, I would rather see Isaac Ratcliffe. I mean, that's just the way it is. I agree. All right. Well, we've been talking about Mike Yo is, has been the common thread going through this episode. I feel like we're going to talk about him a little bit more when we talk about our nemesis of the week coming up next after we talk to you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, real quickly before we get into our nemesis of the week, I just want to talk about goaltending from the weekend because... I think that while Jones's performance against the Rangers was outstanding and he deserves a ton of credit, faced 42 shots on goal in regulation alone, which, you know, God bless him for playing as well. He looked like well he was tiring, he too, towards the end of yeah. the third period. I felt bad. Yeah, I felt bad, too. But I think Carter Hart also had a pretty terrible game on Saturday against the Leafs. He is banged up. We have to keep that in mind, right? At this point, with them, we know what we've got there. It's not a question where we have to play the young guys who are skating out to see what we've got and mm -hmm. put some different combinations together. I think with goaltending, if you want to rest Carter Hart, rest Carter Hart and put Felix Sandstrom in a game or two. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I'd be okay with it. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think so either, because they don't listen to us, Russ. No, clearly. <laughs> All right. It is time for our Flyers Nemesis of the Week. And if you're newer to the program, every Monday we look at the week that's coming up ahead and we say who or what in hockey is the Flyers or our personal nemesis for this upcoming week. And last week we talked about integrating college-signed players quickly and seamlessly. It was going to be a tough 
task for the Flyers. And I think, you know, we've been talking about it in this episode a lot that to some degree, they've done a really good job because they've actually put them in there, right? Mm -hmm. And given them significant ice time. Mm -hmm. But we've also said that they have maybe put some roadblocks in front of them in terms of the line switching up and not giving them the consistency that they need to adjust to the NHL game. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. So now just to be clear, is that your nemesis? No, that was from last week. I was just that's saying just, what the results of last week's commentary. nemesis. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So this week, I think our nemesis is Mike Yo having some degree of senioritis with the Flyers. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing in a lot of ways with this team because he hasn't been able to make any adjustments that have been successful over the course of the season. And it's partially why the team is where it is today. Now, you know, you do put some of this on the players, obviously. You put Mm -hmm. some on management for providing the right kind of personnel or not. But I do think that Mike Yo just has not been it for this team. And there's some problems now heading into a a quote-unquote lame duck period for him where you don't know if, the right decisions are going to be made. And so his like lack of ability to ice what I think are the right lineups is my nemesis. I'm going with Mike Yo. You say senioritis, I say substitute teacher. Uh, ah. You know, I think he's having all the effectiveness of a substitute teacher that comes in and the class knows like the sub is going to be here one day, maybe two while my teacher gets over a cold and how hard am I really going to work on this? Now, I'm not saying the Flyers don't work hard, but I'm saying, do they tune out Mike Yo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question they do when they're on the ice. I think they're doing a lot of things they want to do, and I think that's part of the frustration for Mike Yo. But I think when you look at a coach, you always want to look at what has a coach, and you, you made reference to it, what has a coach sort of done or installed to put his stamp on the team? I can't tell you one thing that he's done that we could say, you know, it was good that Mike Yo came in here because now – they could do this next year. I can't tell you one thing. Yeah, I'm not sure there is anything there because I think the one thing that you say that has been positive about Mike Yo is his clarity and communication yes. and his willingness to take ownership of the team's failures. I think he's done that well, but it's not solution-oriented or forward-thinking. No. So you do have to give him some credit. For, for that, at least, you know, admitting when things are going badly and, and what he has contributed to that. But although it's kind of man. like admitting when you're the captain of the Titanic that we're yeah. going to hit an iceberg, like it's <laughs> you pretty love obvious. this Titanic reference. I do. I mean, come on. Is there anything? Does it ever get old? Come on. It doesn't. All right. Well, we've trashed Mike Yo a bunch in this episode. Uh, so I do want to say also another thing nice about him. In that Rangers game when there was the potential puck over the glass penalty and the puck actually went into the Flyers bench and he was holding the puck. But and he over this, the curved part of the glass. Well, he Whatever. You know, that's, you know, details. The point is that Mike Yeo's <laughs> expression on his face that while was he was good. holding the puck, looking at the ref, he was just blinking like... What do you mean it's a penalty? I got the puck right here. It was absolute yeah. gold, and I appreciate you, Mike Yo, for that moment. No, I, that was funny. Although he <laughs> yeah. knew that it went over the curved part of the glass. I'm sure he did. Been, I'm oh, sure. yeah. I'm yeah. sure he did. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, looking toward the future a little bit. Tyson Forster, as we know, was sent back to the OHL and plays for the Barry Colts. 
He has four goals and two assists in six games back in the OHL and scored a hat trick the other night. And so that hat trick is your Flyers fun thing. Very excited that he's back. He's healthy. And hopefully he'll come back next year strong. Yeah. And that's why I I was happy that they sent him back there because I felt like that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Now we'll see because they're still talking about having him come to Lehigh at some point. We'll see how that all works out. But if he stayed in Barry the rest of the year, I'd be happy. Well, we're talking about the Phantoms tomorrow uh, for our weekly check-in with Lehigh Valley. We'll also be previewing our two games upcoming against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So lots of good stuff coming up in the next couple of days. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen locked on fantasy hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.